your life for your faith and give my body be burned and if i have not love it profits me nothing see paul nails us down that the purpose in god giving the gifts of the spirit is to express love and my friends listen the only way you can express the love that is being spoken of here is you have to experience that love for yourself and the only way you can experience that love is to know jesus personally Motives are impossible to see from the outside. You've probably done something that appears to be kind or considerate, but your heart wasn't in it. Or maybe you even resented doing what you did. This is what Pastor Daniel will be teaching on today. God has so many gifts that he wants to have his people display and manifest, but he wants them performed with the right attitude, too. That's the only way those gifts will accomplish his purpose. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he begins his message, The Gifts of God. What I love so much about the Christian faith is that it's really, it's simple. It's not complicated. Everything about following Jesus, life in Christ, It has everything to do with growing in love. It's what it's always been about. It's what it always will be about. And the church is never more like Jesus than when we choose to love people. We love God and we love people every day over and over and over again. As I know from my own life, I've been following Jesus for about 25 years now. I know for some of you, you're like, man, Fusco's ancient. And others of you are like, man, he's a baby. But that simple, most important thing is something that we have to grow in every day. Just because you did a good job loving God and loving people yesterday does not ensure that today is going to be a day that you're like the most loving person. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you can be like super loving one day and then you're like super salty the next day? You wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you're just having one of those moments, and before you know it, you're like, man, I didn't really do a great job of loving people. But what I love so much about who God is, is that God doesn't give us something to do and then say, good luck, I'm going to grade you on how you do. God says, this is who I created you to be, and I'm going to equip and empower you to be that person. He doesn't just want to grade us. He says, listen, I'm going to make sure that you can get an A in this because I'm going to give you all the resources that you need in order to do that. And you don't even need to know a lot about the Bible to realize that when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, it's because the Spirit of God has affected that work in their lives. And when we have our faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within us. And then transforms us from the inside out to become the kind of people who respond to God's love with love. And we become the kind of people who choose to love other people. I don't want you to think about love as something that you have to do. 
I want you to think, God, I want to become the kind of person who love is the natural disposition of my soul. And that is what Christianity is supposed to be about. Now, I realize right now, as I talk to you all, and I realize there's tons of people here in our sanctuary in Vancouver, Washington, we have tons and tons of people who are joining us online. We could probably go around and ask everyone, hey, listen, have you had an experience with someone who was a Christian who wasn't loving? And people would be like, oh, yeah. And if we go on out into the streets and we go down to Esther Short Park, we go down to downtown Portland, we go up to the casino up in Ridgefield and we say, hey, listen, you know, do you think Christians are loving? People will be like, yeah, maybe not so much. And I think that it's important that we remember that when I think of that, I remember that Jesus needs some new public relations. But actually, he doesn't need new public relations. He needs us to actually be who he created us to be. And so... Today, we're closing out this series on the gifts of the Spirit. And it's important as we've looked at all these different gifts, we look at different passages of Scripture, I wanted to end the series on what we're studying today because it is the most essential thing. I've heard it once said that one of the keys to living an amazing life is to keep the main thing the main thing. And we all know what it's like to major in the minors sometimes. We get focused on lesser things. And so today we're going to kind of drill down on the main thing. So if you could open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're actually going to take chapters 12, 13, and 14 today. Everyone say, oh no. Because if you've been around Crosses for a while, you're like, man, we are never getting out of church today. Fusco's going to take us through three chapters, and don't worry, we're not going to do an exhaustive, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. If you brought your Bibles, open them up, 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in the middle, because 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us something very, very important, and it's this. The gifts express God's love. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches that the gifts of the Spirit express God's love. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 form a unit. 12 and 14, which we're going to look at both of them, are about the individual gifts. But the center is chapter 13, which is perhaps the most famous chapter in all of the Bible. And what we learn is that God's purpose in giving us his spirit and the fruit and gifts that come from his spirit, they're all designed to express God's love. Look at the end of chapter 12. The last verse says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. And then 1 Corinthians 13 jumps right in. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. At almost every wedding you go to, you hear this passage read, but we almost forget that the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, it's like, hey, look, if I have the gift of tongues, all human languages and all angelic languages, if I have the totality of the gift of tongues, but if I have not love, it's just a bunch of noise, right? And you're like, oh, oh so Paul's saying that 
we need to we have these gifts, but it's all about love. Verse two, though if I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that I have all faith. You see what he's saying? He's like, the gift of pro- if you have prophecy, if you have words of wisdom, if you have words of knowledge, if you have the gift of unique faith. He's like, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. And then of course, and if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, if you have this a unique gift of radical generosity, even if you have to give up your life for your faith, I give my body to be burned. But if I have not love, it profits me nothing. See, Paul nails us down that the purpose in God giving the gifts of the Spirit is to express love. And my friends, listen, the only way you can express the love that is being spoken of here is you have to experience that love for yourself. And the only way you can experience that love is to know Jesus personally intimately. Listen, our culture love talking about love. I mean, Taylor Swift has made a whole career doing it. <laughs> love found, love lost. And listen, every musician has made a killing talking about love. Those of you guys who remember uh, the Beatles, all you need is love. I mean, you can do this all, you know, all, we can go this relentlessly with music. We love all sorts of things. But the love that the Bible is speaking about is not the kind of disposable love that our culture embraces. Because really, we talk about love stereotypically in our culture, and really what we're saying is, I love what this does for me. I love how it makes me feel. I love how it enriches me. Like, I'll be honest with you. There's not a form of ice cream that I don't love. Can I get an amen? I have ice cream for breakfast, I have it for lunch, I have it for dinner, I have it for snack. I wake up in the middle of the night, some people wake up in the middle of the night, I need some warm milk, I mean, I need some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and I'm an equal opportunity ice cream. I don't even care, I'd be like, I don't like Ben and Jerry's, you know, look at it from Vermont or something. It's like, I'll have the Tillamook, I don't mind. I'll have soy ice cream, if it's got cream in it, I'll eat it. <laughs> like, but like, I don't want to love my wife or you all or the world in which I live in the way I love ice cream. Because ice cream makes me happy because it tastes good and it gives me a little sugar jolt or whatever. And the beauty of ice cream, if you eat enough of it, it stays around for you with the rest of your life. It just, like, it, 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 it colonizes your body, right? <laughs> and so it hangs out with you for a long time. But really the love that we're talking about here is this Greek word, it's the word agape, which literally means a love that is self-sacrificial. And Jesus is so countercultural because Jesus says that you're more blessed to give than receive. What he's saying is that when it's something that we get for ourselves, it may be pleasurable, but when it's something that we give, there's a deep sense of fulfillment. Anytime I meet someone and they're like, life is just not fulfilling, I'm like, well, when was the last time you served somebody? And then everyone looks at you like you're nuts. And I'm like, listen. When everything is about you getting, that at some point you getting is not fun anymore. But I'm like, what I want to encourage you to do, I'm like, you really want to have a fulfilling life. Commit to serving every week for one week. Pick a place. Go to a food bank. Go to a shelter. Go to a jail. Go to a church and just serve. And tell me how you feel when it's all over. Because... The love that God has for us is not a self-aggrandizing love. It's a self-giving love. 
And the gifts of the Spirit are actually bestowed for this reason. So that God's love can be expressed within the fellowship or the congregation or the community of a church together. And that's why for us being in relationship with one another, listen, it's one of the things that I love about Crossroads is not only do we have a huge gatherings on Sunday with multiple services, but Crossroads is a church of groups because it's in those relationships that that self-giving reality can happen where people know your life and they come alongside of you. I always like to remind people that when our lives are at its worst, the body of Christ is at its best. When things are really down, it's the people of God who draw near. But what's also interesting is that when things are down in our lives, it's when we have a tendency to pull away from the body of Christ. Because the enemy knows if I can divide you from the people of God, then I can conquer you. I can defeat you in some ways. And so every time I sense myself wanting to distance myself, I find Jesus just be like, no, you need to just press in. Because these gifts, and we're going to see it, are not given all to us. They're given to the totality of us, and then they function together. Jesus said it this way. This is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. But you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so in this great section of the Bible about The gifts of the Spirit, love is right at the center. I like to use the analogy of a sandwich, right? It's like chapters 12 and 14 are about the gifts. Chapter 13 is about love. And nobody ever goes to like a deli or whatever and say, hey, can I have me a white bread sandwich? You ever meet somebody like that? You go in like, hey, what can I get you? I'd like a rye sandwich. No, it's like, hey, I want a corned beef on rye. I want a, a spicy Italian, you know what I mean? You know, that's mine. You know, I want me a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, what kind of bread do you want it on? Oh, hey, I like it on whole wheat because I'm trying to offset what I'm eating or whatever. <laughs> Nobody orders the bread first. They order the meat. What's the sandwich made of? And for the believer, the most important thing is not the gift. It's what the gifts are are meant to do in our lives, which is to have God's love flow in our lives and through our lives to one another. That God's love may be built up within us. And Paul says, he's like, if I have all these spiritual gifts, but I don't have love, I'm noisy, a sounding brass, I'm a clanging cymbal. It profits me nothing. And he even says, I am nothing. And then he defines love for us. And verses four to eight is really well known. Love suffers long. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, and it endures all things, and love never fails. Now, I just want to tell you, as it relates to the practice of the gifts of the Spirit in the life of a church... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8 is actually the best gauge for the gifts. Because if somebody wanting to exercise a gift is impatient, then you know it's not the Spirit driving them. If they want to be noticed or placed at the center, parading themselves, that's a problem. 
right? If it is envious, if we're looking at someone else and saying, I want the gift that they have. See, all of these things, it's a great checklist to see, are these gifts functioning in the purpose for which God sent them? If the gifts are believing the worst, behaving rudely, all these things. And if you've been around church long enough and if you've seen the gifts in operation, sometimes it looks like this. And so for me, I always know the real McCoy, as they say. I really know when something is a pure expression when I see love being expressed. And I'll be honest with you, it's my only litmus test for the life of a believer. My pastor used to always say to me, he said, Daniel, we have to always be careful that we're not so right that we're wrong. And what he was saying to me as a young pastor, which I still think about it today, is sometimes in our desire to be right, we're wrong. Even if our theology is right, if we hold it in a way that is not loving, then it's wrong. You can be like, man, my biblical beliefs and my teachings and my theology is so right on. And if you are looking down on someone who doesn't believe like you, I'm here to tell you, your truth might be right, but your practice betrays the heart of God. And in a lot of ways, in this cultural moment, the body of Christ needs to be the vehicles of God's love. and We need to hold the truths that we have in such a way that we express the heart of the God whose truth it is. And our divisions that we have in our culture, when the church jumps into those divisions, they're not doing it in the name of Jesus. They're doing it in the name of the culture in which we inhabit. We're not supposed to be this culture. We're supposed to create this culture. And brother says, I want to thank you so much for being the kind of people who you say, look, I might not agree with you, but I love you. And let's talk about this as family and not fist fight about this over the internet as enemies. And I'm here to tell you, when we're in our community, the wrath of people does not produce the righteousness of God. I didn't write that. The apostle Paul did, inspired by the spirit in Romans chapter two, verse four. But it's the goodness of the Lord that leads a person to repentance. And we need to remember this because all the gifts of the Spirit are here to express God's love. Now, if we go back to chapter 12, what we learn on the beginning piece of the bread of the gifts, we learn that we need to embrace the diversity of gifts. We need to embrace the diversity of gifts. This whole chapter, all of chapter 12 is about the same thing, that we're one body with unique members And all these different gifts are spread out in the midst of the body of Christ. So not one of us has all of them, although each one of us, if we're filled with the Spirit, has the potential for all of them. So we're an entity larger than ourselves, which the Bible calls church, not a building, but it's people. And that's why we are at our best when we are in relationship, but there are a diversity of gifts. And one of the things that I have experienced personally, and I've seen it happen, I've made the mistake of doing it, is we have a tendency to think that what we bring to the table is the only most important thing. They call that gift projecting, right? Where it's like, this is my gift and it's this, right? And if you don't have that, it's not that good because I got that thing. That's a type of pride, isn't it? And is pride kind? No. Is pride seeking its own? Yes. And because it says love is patient, it's kind, and it does not seek its own, then when we're being prideful, we're not being loving, we're being selfish. And in a lot of ways, if we're going to be honest about life, pride is the sin that begets all other sins. Now, if the Bible calls sin, it means missing the mark. It always begins with pride because pride says my way or the highway. Faith says, your way is better than my way. See, pride is us 
being on the throne of our own hearts. And love is when we allow the spirit of God to displace us from the throne of our hearts so that Jesus can be on that throne. And then Jesus says, listen, what I want to do in you is I don't want you to be puffed up, but I want you to be humble. I don't want you to think that your way is the only way. The Bible says things like we should esteem others higher than ourselves. Pride says I'm the most important person in this room. And humility says, actually, all of us are important to God. How are we supposed to work together? Now, I say that, I realize that in our world, you talk about that and you have to be careful because some of you are in abusive relationships and you're not supposed to be in an abusive relationship. Like there are boundaries with that. Some people walk all over people, they'll take everything from you. And so it's not unloving to erect healthy boundaries because it is not loving to let someone sin against God, you and themselves. So I need to make sure I qualify that. I really talk like that. And sometimes people are in horrible situations, which is not anywhere near what God has for you. But there are a diversity of gifts. And in all the weeks that we've been studying this, this keeps coming up, doesn't it? Right? We saw it in Ephesians chapter 4, right? We saw it in Romans chapter 12. Now we're seeing it again. So every time the gifts come up, the Apostle Paul reminds us that there is meant to be a unity, a oneness in the diversity of the gifts. Like in verse 4, it says this, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. We see very clearly that there are different types of gifts, but there's one spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But notice verse 7. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of who? All. So important. The manifestation of the spirit is given to one for the profit of everyone. And that is why, once again, it is so important for us to be together in the journey. Now, listen, can I just talk about this for just a brief second? I realize that our culture is becoming more individualized. There was a time if you wanted to get information, you had to go to a public place like a library to get it. Now you just pull out your phone, you pull out your computer, right? I remember I was talking to my son about this because I remember when I was growing up, you know, we had video games. I mean, they were primitive video games, like, how many of you guys remember playing that game where the ball just went across the screen and you had to press the up and down? Do you guys remember that? I was trying to explain it to my kids. They're like, that sounds lousy. I'm like, at the time, it was mind-blowing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm of the Game Boy generation. I used to play Tetris. I didn't realize it was, it was like, it was actually training me to be a dad. Every time we go on a family vacation, road tripping, I'm like, man, Tetris, I got this thing. I can fit this thing in this way, this thing in this way. I'm like, this is super cool, right? There was a time if you wanted to play video games with your friends, you had to go to their house to play with them. I remember when I was in college, I had a buddy who he used to have, what was it called? It was NHL 94. That's how old I was. So they got a Sega Genesis, I think it was. It was old school. Like, you know, you had that little cartridge, you had to blow that thing out. The kids don't know how hard we suffered back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, like it was hard. You couldn't get the thing to work. The thing would, you know, you didn't have to worry about getting scratched. It just wouldn't work. It'd be all cloudy on the screen. And we'd go over to my buddy's uh, dorm room and we'd play NHL 94. You know what I mean? And we'd sit there. And then only one of us could play at a time. And, but now it's like they can just get on their computers and they just put their headphones on. They, they open up their screens. And I'm like, you're going to go? I'm like, no, me and my buddies are going to play video games right now. I'm like, in your room? And I forget that. It's like, oh, no, like, no, we're playing together. It's kind of crazy to consider that God, in addition to saving us, wants to give, in fact, has given us even more. Pastor Daniel told you again about God's intent for these gifts. 
which was to help the body of Christ work the way it's supposed to. When this happens, you become a witness to the unsaved world of the love of Jesus for them as well. This is definitely something to aspire to with God's help and his attitude in you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from his teaching, The Gifts of Love. You'll learn more about the importance God places on the part that people can't see, your heart, than whatever you might do, no matter how wonderful it might be. You'll be reminded that the greatest gift you could receive, which was salvation, should spur you on to being as generous toward others as God was toward you. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Gifted. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.